Manitoba Canola Growers held its AGM yesterday. Jim Everson, president of the Canola Council of Canada, gave this report. As you will be aware, the Canadian uh, the Canola Council of Canada has a team of crop uh, agronomists, um, agronomy specialists across Western Canada, and the main function for through 2021 and looking into 2022 has been to really focus on agronomic challenges to help support producers with canola production. Um, there is a strong global demand for, for canola, and uh, our goal here is to help support growers to reduce risk, um, maintain profitability, and ultimately to produce more canola for the industry in Canada and for, for global markets. So in 2021, obviously, uh, you know, it's, it's a very significant, very difficult growing season, and we turned our agronomy specialist attention to supporting growers uh, week to week and day to day with the challenges that they were facing because of dry and hot weather. Um, in Manitoba, flea beetles uh, and the regrowth were major issues. And our team through Canola Watch and other communication sources uh, attempt to provide timely, valuable science-based agronomic information and tactics to, to growers to meet, meet those challenges. And um, Rick uh, did an excellent job talking about the issues around science-based decision-making and regulatory issues of the Government of Canada, including the Pest Management Review Agency. So we work very closely with the Canadian Canola Growers Association on that. And um, I think Rick said it all in terms of what we are working on in terms of communicating the importance of science-based decision-making to support crop protection products for growers. And ultimately, also in the global market, um, we export 90% of what we grow in canola in Canada. And it's critical that decision-making globally be based on science. And it's really value, really important that the government of Canada follow science so that when we're faced with market access issues that are not science-based in some of our global markets, that Canada has the credibility to, to maintain a science-based approach to those international regulatory issues. So there too, it's critical that that we um, continue to demand that of our of our government. Um, Rick also mentioned the nitrogen management issues, so I, I won't get into that. Also, the you know another area where the Canola Council, through the whole value chain, is is very much involved in the strategy around how to manage. Um, the requests, not only from the government of Canada and the challenge that Rick outlined uh, for reduction of emissions, but increasingly we're getting questions around sustainability and emissions issues from um, global markets and from food companies in North America and in Europe and so on. And so uh, really important that we advance the agenda uh, in that area. We are... um, reviewing the variety registration process that's a project a project that's um, been started by the government of Canada in Ottawa um, and that's being done through canola council committee that's being chaired by Chuck Fossey from the Manitoba Canola Growers Association and involves the whole value chain around how to manage uh, issues around variety registration so those are some of the things that we're doing on the sustainability supply side that was Jim Everson president of the canola council of Canada speaking yesterday at Manitoba Oat Growers Annual General Meeting. The Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association held its annual conference this week. One of the presentations was from Kimberly Cornish. Kimberly is a director with the Food Water Wellness Foundation. 
Her presentation to the group focused on soil carbon measurement and monitoring to enable landscape level change. Our work has been to to see if we can measure and map soil carbon uh, on a, in a way that can can take individual motivation and turn it into collective targets. And and the thing that in talking to all the producers that we, I work with. It always came, kept coming back to, I'm not interested in a conservative average of what everyone else does in this practice. I don't want to get paid on that. I want to get paid on what I'm doing on my land. And if I'm doing more than somebody else, I want to get paid for it. And if I'm doing less, I'll suffer the consequences of that. But I, I want to be rewarded for that. And then the other piece that was really significant was I... I work um, and have known uh, Grant Lestuka in Alberta, and I think some of you know him. And within the Alberta offset system, we had a conservation cropping protocol that is now defunct because it is no longer additional. It's not, it's not, it's considered business as usual, as you mentioned earlier today. Um, But the reason that they were able to do a conservation cropping protocol is because that is a practice that is relatively easy to standardize. When we start talking about regenerative agriculture, we're talking about infinite numbers of permutations, like each combination of cover crop. If you have 18 species versus 14 species, and if those species change, and then you have all the other elements that come into play if our goal is to try and standardize and find carbon like coefficient numbers that say this is this or this is that we're going to definitely pull back on innovation and people trying crazy things because it means them giving up their carbon offsets potentially and it also means that we're going to wait a long time for any to ever be able to issue credits on these practices because we just don't have enough data and the Living Labs initiative out from Egg Canada, I think, is a huge step forward in trying to collect that data. But I think it's still always going to be problematic because these systems are fundamentally adaptive and they're fundamentally dynamic. And when you try to standardize a fundamentally dynamic and adaptive process, you usually don't have a fantastic outcome. Um, also, we've looked at ways that we could potentially reduce risk through um, a pooling of, of, you know, that we're still looking at, uh, we're looking at everyone having their individual carbon offsets, but that it is part of a bigger community that comes together that is farmer owned, that is able to, to reduce risk and that we actually, instead of just discounting based on this or that, we use data to, to, to have as many, you know, as much foundation as possible for that as possible. And to truly maximize that economic opportunity. If you, if you're able to go two to three percentages in a very short period of time, you know, I think that your neighbors might be very interested if they knew what your carbon check could be associated with that. And I think that that is, it still is a major, major leverage point that we have, and it has, societal outcomes, and it also has environmental outcomes. That's just a small part of the presentation by Kimberly Cornish to producers at the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association Conference, 
For Golden West, I'm Glenda Lee Allen-Bossler. Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen-Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network.